Welcome to the Mount Sinai Missionary Baptist Church Podcast, where the Reverend Leo R. Thomas is our pastor. As a church, we desire to preach and to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ so that all are saved. We hope that you're encouraged by this message. Good evening, family. It's Pastor. It is Wednesday, July 8th, the second Wednesday in the month of July. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, Listen, family, we want you to know that tonight we are sending up prayers for you in the midst of all that's going on around us. This pandemic, of course, is lasting way longer than any of us anticipated. And I'm sure as it continues to drag out, there are many people who are becoming dismayed and potentially losing hope. I want you to know that God is in control of this situation. He has not relinquished his sovereignty. He is still sitting on the throne. He is still in charge. And because of that, we're going to lean on him, even in times such as this, where we don't understand exactly what's going on. We may not understand exactly the ramifications of all that's transpired the last few months. But what we do know is that uh, all things are working together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Amen. To all of our family members that are listening in other states and other countries, we want you to know we appreciate you. We thank God for you. Uh, As always, we want you to know that we are uh, filled with gratitude that you would tune in to this podcast to hear what thus saith the Lord. And we pray that you would continue to be blessed by the messages Uh, that are coming forth as God is speaking to us at a time such as this. We're praying that you would be undergirded with the power and strength that can only come by way of heaven. Amen. For those of you who may not have heard on uh, Sunday, I did announce on a podcast on Sunday morning that we have uh, lost one of our dear brothers, our friends of the ministry, uh, has transitioned to his heavenly home in the person of Brother Lonnie Smith. Brother Lonnie Smith Uh, transitioned on last Friday, last Friday, the 3rd of July. And his homegoing service will be this upcoming Saturday, July 11th at Inglewood Park Cemetery at 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. It'll be one hour service. It will be a graveside service. Everyone is required to wear a mask, but all are invited to attend the service. So anyone who wants to come out, you're welcome to come out. Uh, but it'll be a one-hour service. Uh, there's more information on our website with the specifics of the address and the location within the park. Uh, and of course, we want you to continue to pray for Sister Jerry Smith and for the entire Smith family. Also want to mention that Mother Hall lost a nephew this past week in St. Louis. So we're praying for our bereaved, the Hall family, as well as the Smith family. Amen. Uh, last but not least, of course, we're praying for the sick and for the shut-in, those who lay on beds of affliction, uh, those who are just struggling physically uh, in their bodies from all of this that's going on. And uh, we want you to be encouraged knowing that we serve a God who is a healer, that the God that we serve has the power and the authority to heal us if it be his will. Amen. Let us go before the Lord in prayer. God, we bless and praise. We thank you for your blessings and we come before your presence, Lord God, knowing that you are the great I am that I am, which means that anything that we stand in need of, God, you're able to supply our needs. 
So, Father, we come before thy presence tonight, knowing, Lord, that you've not left us, you've not forsaken us, that in spite of how we feel and in spite of how we think, in spite of the tricks of the enemy, we know you're still in charge, Lord God. And Father, we bless you for it, Lord God. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your person, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that you're God all by yourself. Tonight, we ask a healing upon those who are sick and shut in. We ask that you touch their bodies. If it be your will, Lord God, that you would soothe the pain, that you would give them comfort. Uh, even now, Lord God, as pain is invaded their body, we pray, Lord God, that you would keep their mind and their hearts right. We pray for the bereaved hearts, Lord God, those who are dealing with the loss of a loved one, Lord. I pray that you would just comfort them now, Lord God. Allow them to feel your presence like never before. God, I ask that you would wipe the tears from their eyes and remind them, Lord God, that you'll never leave them nor forsake them, even at a time such as this. Now, God, we ask that you would bless us tonight as we study your word, that you would let us down into the deep mysteries of your word, that we would harvest up, Lord God, knowledge and understanding that will not only be hearers of the word, but that will be doers of your holy word. We'll be careful to give you the praise, to give you the honor, and to give you glory. It's in Jesus, our Savior's name. Amen. Family, turn with me in your Bibles to Mark, the gospel according to Mark, chapter 1, verse 35 through 39. Mark chapter 1, verse 35 through verse 39. I'm reading from the King James Version of the Bible, and it reads as follows. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And when they had found him, they said unto him, all men seek for thee. And he said unto them, let us go into the next town that I may preach there also. For therefore came I Fourth, And finally, verse 39, and he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and cast out devils. Hmm. From those verses uh, tonight, I want to use as a focal point, as a theme, the passion needed for real ministry. The passion needed for real ministry. The other day, we dealt with the blueprint for real worship. And tonight, we're talking about real ministry. The first year of the earthly ministry of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, was practically spent inconspicuously. There's very little information given to us of those early days the onset of Jesus's ministry from the gospel according to Mark, and for that matter, in the other three gospels, for the most part as well. We do know that he was preaching the gospel in the southern parts of Israel and reaching out to lost souls. Mark's gospel introduces us to the early days of Christ's second year of his earthly ministry. Many scholars and theologians have regarded the first year of Christ's ministry as the year of obscurity. 
And the second year is the year of popularity. Mark passes over the first year of Jesus's ministry and he begins at a time when Jesus was beginning to gain a following in Israel. And if you were to study Mark's narrative of chapter one, you will see the Lord call his first disciples in verses 16 through 20. We will see him at work preaching in the synagogues in verses 21 and 22. You will see him casting out devils in verses 23 through 28 and healing many that were sick in verses 29 through verse 34. Mark's portrayal of Jesus is one of servitude going about his father's business. And these verses before us reveal the great passions that move the heart of our Savior. This brief glimpse into one early morning quiet time reveals what was important to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to look at these motivating factors because what was important to Jesus ought to be important to his people. Hmm. Passion is a strong emotion that has the power to generate indelible results. Harriet Tubman once said, every great dream begins with a dreamer. Always remember you have within you the strength, the patience, and the passion to reach for the stars and change the world. And Jesus did exactly that. He changed the world. As we eavesdrop on the details of the events in the day in the life of Jesus, let us ask the Lord to create within our own hearts a burning passion for the same things. The problem that we have in the modern day church is people are not passionate about the things of God. They're not passionate about doing real ministry. They're passionate about activity in the church. However, they are not passionate about ministry in the church. Jesus gives us an example in these few verses of what he was passionate about. He does not say it specifically, but when you look at the activity of the Savior, you can quickly surmise what he was passionate about. The Bible says in verse 35, and in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. That first verse, verse 35, tells us Jesus was passionate about prayer, that Jesus was passionate about prayer. The duties of the Sabbath had been arduous to say the least. And after preaching in the synagogue, Jesus was confronted by a demon-possessed man. Jesus cast out that demon. He leaves the synagogue to go to Peter's house for fellowship and perhaps to partake of a meal. When he arrives at Peter's house, Jesus finds Peter's mother-in-law sick with a fever. And guess what? He heals her too. When sundown comes, all the people in Capernaum bring the sick and those possessed with devils for Jesus to heal them. And guess what? He does this, no doubt, meeting people and helping them 
at the point of their need, even late into the evening. Yet a late night does not prevent Jesus from an early morning meeting with his father. We are told that Jesus rose up a great while before day. He went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. We do not know exactly what time Jesus went to pray, but some have guessed that it was somewhere between 3 a.m. and 4 a.m. Some of y'all just rolled your eyes right then. There's no way uh, that some of us would dare get up at three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning to pray to God. But that's because we don't have a passion for prayer. This is not the only time that we will find Jesus involved in a time of communion with his father. In fact, his ministry is marked by times of protracted prayer. Jesus is pictured in prayer no less than 25 times in the Gospels. Communion with his father was one of the marks of the Messiah. The fact that Jesus prayed raises some interesting questions. What did Jesus pray about? Most of our praying can be described by the acrostic acts. That is adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And since Jesus was sinless, he had no need of confession. But I can guarantee you, you can be well assured that he spent much time in adoration, much time in thanksgiving, and much time in supplication. Anyone who reads the Bible with any spiritual imagination, with any discerning inquisitiveness, would ask the question, why did Jesus even need to pray? Why did he even need to? Well, family, listen to me. He was God in the flesh, after all. He, we, we need to remember that Jesus was God in human flesh, but he did not come to this world to live as God. He came to live as a spirit-filled man. Jesus prayed because he lived his life in total dependence on the Father. Jesus prayed because he desired a totally unhindered, totally unimpeded, totally unconstrained, totally unrestricted, and totally unobstructed fellowship with his Father. And I believe that uh, this is the reason he chose a solitary place to pray. Jesus wanted the Holy Spirit to be able to flow through his life in absolute freedom and absolute power. So then he made every effort to stay in close, constant communion with his father by way of prayer. And what a sad commentary it is, those of us who profess God as master of our lives and the architect of our homes and all of these catchy things that we say, and yet we never spend time talking to him. Jesus understood with great clarity, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. Matthew chapter seven, verse seven. There's nothing in the essence of church or ministry that has the power to keep our spiritual gas tanks always operating on full more so than prayer. Jesus knew that his prayer time was precious and it was private and he wanted nothing 
to be able to come between him and the time he spent in his father's presence. Ministry is draining family. Evangelism is a daunting task. Jesus needed to stay focused on the task before him. And that is why the Bible says, hitherto have you asked nothing in my name, asking ye shall receive that your joy may be full. Yeah, he, he, he needed to stay full in order to feed the flock. He needed to stay full in order to do the miracles. He needed to stay full in order to stay on course for the mission for which he came here in the first place. Yeah, family, listen to me. Uh, if we're going to do ministry in a real way, you got to have the passion needed for real, authentic ministry. And that passion, first and foremost, is exhibited by Christ our Savior by way of the fact he was passionate about prayer. He was passionate about prayer. But not only was he passionate about prayer, look at verse 36 through 38. The Bible says, and Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And when they had found him, they said unto him, all men seek for thee. Verse 38 says, and he said unto them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. Now, anybody who knows anything about alliterating a sermon would know exactly where I'm going. Not only was Jesus passionate about prayer, Jesus was passionate about preaching about preaching. As Jesus is praying, he's interrupted by Peter, Andrew, James, and John. They come to tell him that the people of Capernaum are looking for him. And just the night before, the people of the city had crowded around the door looking for help and looking for healing. And now at the dawn of a new day, they've returned. The disciples are no doubt excited about this because they're sure that Jesus is on the verge of superstardom. Yeah, that, that's the reason some people are in the ministry in the first place, because they want to be stars. Yeah, you, you, you can't rap and you can't sing and you can't dance. So your next uh, platform of superstardom is in church. Yeah, that, that, that's the reason many folk get involved in the ministry in the first place is so they can be superstars from a ministerial perspective. They're certain, the disciples, that Jesus will be declaring himself to be the Messiah and that he will begin to gather an army to deliver the nation of Israel from the domination of Rome. They come to Jesus to encourage him to capitalize on this enormous popularity that he is now experiencing. They want him to come back to town and do some more miracles so that the people will cling to him even the more, so that the offering will go up, so the following will be large, so people will hear about him throughout the land. But Jesus refuses to allow the disciples or the people of Capernaum to dictate the direction of his ministry. He has been in communion with his father and he knows exactly what the father wants him to do. And let me tell you something, family. When you stay in communion with the father, he'll reveal to you exactly what you're supposed to do where people won't be able to get you off track. That's the reason I, I tease people all the time. How can you let somebody push you out of ministry 
when you say it was God who put you there in the first place. Jesus tells them that he's going to the towns where he has not yet preached so that he can share the gospel with those folk too. As in the time of Christ, so it is now, miracles are still big business. There are folk you can turn on the television right now on the Word Network, on TBN, on some of these things, and you will see folk proclaiming and professing that they have the power and the authority to heal people. And I'm not here to debate one way or the other. I can tell you if I had the power to heal, the first place I'd go is into the hospitals and start healing people who have a desire to be healed, but are unable to get up from their bed of affliction and make it down to Staples Center or make it down to the Coliseum or make it down to the pond in Anaheim. They can't make it down to Dodger Stadium, but they have a desire to be healed. I'm not here to debate whether people have the ability to do it or not, but I can tell you that was not Jesus's focus of ministry. Jesus had a passion for preaching. He, he knew that people needed to hear the word of God in order to deal with the sickness of soul. Yeah, that, that's what he was dealing with. And it seems that any ministry that focuses on the fabulous, they gather huge followings while ministries that major on the message of the Bible may stay small in number. Why is that? Because most people are shallow, they're self-centered, and they focus on the sensational rather than the spiritual. Modern people are like the Athenians in the book of Acts chapter 17, verse 21, where the Bible says, for all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear something new. It's in Acts chapter 17, verse 21. While Jesus can, while Jesus did, and while Jesus does heal physical infirmities, he specializes in healing the afflictions of the soul. While we praise the Lord for every healing he has performed, healing of body is temporary at its best. But when Jesus heals your soul, it's for all eternity. Preaching is designed to heal the sickness of your soul. Consider the promise in Psalm 103, verse three, who healeth all thy diseases. The disease of soul can kill just as surely as disease of the flesh. Soul sickness is like hatred. Soul sickness is like anger. Soul sickness is like bitterness. Soul sickness is like unforgiveness. Soul sickness is like gossip. Soul sickness is like discouragement. Soul sickness is like depression. I know I'm preaching. Soul sickness is like lust. Soul sickness is like pride. Soul sickness is like guilt and jealousy and fear, just to name a few, can steal your joy and silence your shout and cripple your heart. Jesus was passionate about preaching because he knew the word of God could penetrate even the hardest of hearts. 
For the Bible says in Hebrews chapter four, verse 12, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You want to get to the heart of the matter. You have to get into the word of God. And God has sent people on special assignment to preach his word. Now, listen to me. All of us are to take the message. All of us are to be able to share the message of God. All of us in our own right ought to be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ with somebody. But guess what? There are some verses and some scripture and some doctrine and some statutes and some axioms that are in the word of God that you need somebody who is gifted and skilled and anointed and favored to unpack them for you. That, that is the reason I do not subscribe to people saying that they're believers, but they don't go to church. I don't subscribe to people who say they love God, but yet they don't want to be a part of an organized ministry. There's something wrong with that. Either they know everything there is to know, or they're being tricked and bamboozled by the enemy. When Jesus said, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, he's not talking about motivational speeches or clever idioms or crafty antidotes. He's speaking expressly, clearly, and precisely about the word of God. The greatest need of the soul is to be cured of the sickness of sin. And that comes by way of preaching the word of God. And that is why Jesus placed so much emphasis on preaching the gospel. He came to preach because he wanted the people to know that there was hope for them if they would come to him and receive the gospel. Now listen to me, family. If we're going to do ministry in a real way, we have to have passion that is needed for real ministry. The first thing that Jesus shows us is that he has a passion for prayer. He, he's passionate about prayer. Uh, but not only is he passionate about prayer, he's passionate about preaching, about preaching. And finally, family, there in verse 39, the Bible says that he preached in their synagogues, underlined there, highlighted, throughout all, underlined all, highlighted, Galilee and cast out devils in their synagogues throughout all Galilee. Here's the last thing. If we're going to do ministry in a real way, if we're going to be passionate about uh, the ministry and to do it in a real way, we have to also be passionate about people, about people. Yeah, th this is where most of us get tripped up in ministry. Yeah, we love singing and we love preaching and we love praying uh, and we love to uh, do activities and we love to exercise our gifts and stand on our soapbox. But you know what we don't like, what we don't love? We don't love people. And I'm not sure how you can be in ministry and don't love people. I know they can get on your nerves. I know uh, they can be self-centered. They can be self-righteous. I know they can even be backstabbing. But the fact of the matter is we do ministry because of our love, not only for God, but for people. 
Jesus tells us here in the word of God, and he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and cast out devils. When Jesus went out to pray that morning, after a day of powerful ministry, I'm sure that he took time to acknowledge the Father for his blessings and to recognize him for his presence and to express to him gratitude for his power. Jesus, no doubt, must have prayed for all of the people he had come in contact with the day before, the people who were crying, the people who were crowding, and the people who stood in need of comfort. I'm sure he prayed for the people who had been healed, and I'm sure he prayed that they would see beyond the miracle and be saved. He must have prayed for his disciples that they would be men of God and that they would not lose heart when ministry became challenging. Jesus and his disciples left Capernaum to go into the other towns of Galilee to share the gospel message with people. Yeah, Jesus was consumed with a passion to see people saved from their sins and brought into the relationship with the Father. Jesus turned down the opportunity for fame because he wanted everybody to hear the message of hope. He did not come to this world to be known as a miracle worker. He came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. He did not come primarily as a preacher and teacher. Jesus came to this world to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to this world to die. That, that, that's literally uh, what it's translated in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, a ransom for many is he came to die. Jesus came to this world and endured everything he did so that he might open a way of salvation for all who will receive him. Can, can you see how passionate he is about people? To accomplish this, Jesus made many sacrifices. The Bible says to us, uh, that he did this for you, that he did this for me. He did this for us. He preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee. Jesus did what he did because he loved people. He did what he did so that you and I might be saved from our sins. It was our Lord's passion for people that prompted him to enter into this world. That's why the Bible tells us in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. He loved us so much that he gave everything in order that the people might be reconciled back unto the father. He did this in order that we could live forever with the father. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter five, verse six through eight, for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for the righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth, he demonstrated, he established, he proved, he verified and confirmed his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm telling you, he, he, he's passionate about people. He, he doesn't want to see you cry. He doesn't want to see you hurt. He doesn't want to see you stray. 
he, he came in order that you would have some direction and some guidance and that you would have an example of how good life can be when you live and walk by way of the spirit of God. He, he did it because he's passionate about people. He don't just like you, he's passionate about you. He loves you so much that he wants the best for you. And the problem is it's difficult when somebody wants the best for us and we keep messing it up over and over and over again. If we're going to do ministry in a real way, well, we have to develop some passion. Uh, not passion that church gets out early, not passion that we eliminate certain things in the service, but passion for things that are critically important in order to make ministry work. The first thing is we have to have passion for prayer. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place in their prayer. How often do you pray? How often do you get before God, just you and him? and spend time pouring your heart out to him. How often do you get before him in a solitary place and just hear what thus saith the Lord? Jesus was passionate about prayer. But not only was he passionate about prayer, he was passionate about preaching. As long as the day was before, as soon as the disciples come to him, the Bible says that he says unto them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, for therefore came I forth. Let me tell you, Jesus knew exactly what his mission was. Now, ultimately, as Mark chapter 10, verse 45 tells us, he came to die ultimately. But in the course of living and dying, he understood his mission was to proclaim the good news in order that men might be turned back to the Father. Jesus was passionate about prayer. Jesus was passionate about preaching and or his assignment. What is your assignment in the kingdom? What is the kingdom missing because you've decided to sit on your gifts and to sit on your assignment and to watch others flounder and try to do what comes easy and natural for you. Hmm. Jesus was passionate about prayer. Jesus was passionate about preaching. But then finally, the Bible says that he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and cast out devils. Jesus was passionate about people. He knew he had to get the message out and he didn't have a lot of time. There's so many people, you spend all your time raising your kids and working your job and starting your business and going to school. When, oh when, are you gonna spend time in the kingdom and develop a passion for people? There are people dying. There are people tonight that's contemplating suicide. There are people tonight that have no hope. They're hopeless. They're lonely and left out. And yet we're sitting comfortably with our business cards and our titles, talking about who we are in the kingdom. Family, listen, if we're gonna be serious, if we're gonna be serious about ministry, if we're gonna do the things that are important in order to drive people to the throne room of God, 
We need passion. We need passion. We need passion for real ministry. Passion for prayer. Passion for preaching. Passion for people. And if we do that, I'm telling you, when we come back together, listen, the church is about to blow up. It may not blow up numerically, but I'm telling you, God will be lifted up and he'll draw all men unto himself if we do what we're supposed to do. Listen, family, we're out of time. We're never out of message and uh, it's time for us to go. But I pray, I pray that you hide this word in your heart. I pray that you take it seriously. The passion needed for real ministry. Listen, if you're not going to develop these passions, I'm telling you, you may want to think twice about getting involved in ministry uh, from a leadership perspective. But if you have what it takes, you're passionate about praying and you're passionate about preaching or your assignment, whatever that is, and you're passionate about people, I'm telling you, the ministry has a place for you. Listen, family, and all that's going on around us, don't forget in this 2020 experience that in all you're doing and all you're being and in all you're getting, God will be glorified. God bless you, family. We love you. Hello, family. It's Pastor Thomas, and I want to thank you for tuning in to the podcast today. We pray that something was said that encouraged and inspired your heart during this difficult time. I pray that you are being strong and that your spiritual resolve is being fortified and strengthened during this difficult time. To the Mount Sinai family, we want to encourage you, if you've not done so yet, to make sure that as you go on to the website, that you would take a moment to go on and hit the PayPal button and that you would send your tithes and your offerings to the church. We are still a church body and we are still in need of the financial support in which you provide on a consistent and regular basis. If you do not feel comfortable by sending your tithes and offerings by way of PayPal, you can feel free to send a money order or a check or a cashier's check to the church. Uh, attention, uh, our secretary, Sister Lydia Haley, she'll make sure that the deacons get it. We ask that you please do not send cash to the church. And then also we want to encourage those of you who are listening in other states and other countries, we want to thank you for tuning in. I pray that you are encouraged today by that which you've heard. And also, uh, for those of you who are unchurched and unsaved, I pray that this not take the place of uh, a local ministry for you, but that you would go and find a Bible preaching, Bible teaching, and God-fearing church to join with and become a part of that you might go forth sowing much fruit in the kingdom of God. Family, we love you and we thank God for you. And remember, God will be glorified. I can't stop.